Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. If you've ever wondered about how you can grow your practice and what it takes to do it, and listening to somebody who's doing it in the trenches, then you should stick around for this episode of T-Bone Speaks. Welcome to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal, where our goal is to change the way you practice dentistry by helping you achieve clinical, financial, and personal balance. Now, here's your host, T-Bone. All right, welcome back. And uh, this week, I would like to introduce our guest, Dr. Sunith Bath from Seattle, Washington. Uh, he is a good friend, and uh, we met several years ago uh, in the CERC world. And then he was talking about doing sleep, and uh, we became friends through that. And then uh, one day he was talking to me about how he's seen tremendous success with Invisalign. Uh, so I started picking his brain about that because, as many of you know, Invisalign is an area where I've been struggling myself. So uh, let's bring uh, Dr. Sunith on. Sunith, what's up? How's it going, T-Bone? Oh, man, it's fantastic. I appreciate you coming on at uh, 6 a.m. your time to uh, satisfy my time. I appreciate that. Uh, no worries. So let's get right into it. So uh, who is Sunith Bath and what is your practice and where are you from and all of those things? Give, us, give our listeners uh, the details on that. Well, I uh, grew up in a small town in Washington State. Um, I attended uh, University of Washington for undergrad. Um, you know, I wasn't one of those people that uh, is, you know, gifted as far as uh, my smartness goes. Um, I had to work for it. My buddies would be playing poker. Um, I'd be studying because I knew I wanted to be a dentist. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of put my head down, uh, worked hard. Got into dental school, uh, graduated from Pitt uh, at, in 2001. I did a residency, and um, and then I worked at uh, Bright Now Dental, which is uh, corporate dentistry for, I think it was about almost three years, and um, did a couple of associateships. And from there, I finally decided to buy my own practice, which isn't something I even thought I would do. Um, what what made you I not think that you wanted to own a practice? I actually didn't think I could do it. Uh, I, you know, I figured, you know, being a partner or or an associate, you know, you get to sit back and not have to deal with the management part of things, um, you know. And I, I figured, you know, it could kind of maybe help somebody do certain things, but um, but you know, I just didn't want to manage it myself. So but what made you so change your mind that you wanted to open your own practice? You know, it just kind of fell into my lap. Uh, there was, unfortunately, there was a dentist in town who 
needed to sell his practice because uh, he was about 60 years old. And uh, he needed to sell his practice because he had uh, prostate cancer. And so, uh, so it just, the opportunity was presented itself. Um, this associateship I was doing was kind of fizzling out. And so, um, you know, I, I decided to go for it. Um, unfortunately, there was actually zero transition between uh, myself and him because he got so sick that I just had to jump right in and kind of start swimming. Uh, it was it was kind of a crazy deal. So, what, attracted, what attracted you to this particular practice? I mean, why did you buy this practice besides the fact the guy had prostate cancer? Uh, I think the reputation of the practice was really good. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things we all kind of fear when we're looking into a practice is uh, how's the work? You know, am I going to inherit something that is um, I'm going to have to you know redo a lot of things or what? Um, so the reputation was pretty good. Uh, he'd been here for quite a while. Uh, good patient base, um, you know, with... Uh, was doing decent in production. I think they were doing around 700,000. So, and the so collections think, were know, about 700 as well. Yeah, collections were pretty good. Uh, right, I think it was probably about 95, 97%. When, when it came to, so when you were looking at this size of practice, one of the things I'm hearing from a lot of younger dentists is they either want to buy, they, sometimes they feel that they can't produce what the practice they're buying was. Uh, were you looking for a target market in terms of what size of practice you were looking for? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I wanted a practice uh, that had, I, I liked the fact that it had six chairs. Um, you know, it, uh, it it was kind of funny after I brought, bought it, I actually got rid of one of the chairs thinking I could use the area for storage. And then I ended up buying another chair <laughs> within a year. Um, so I wasted wasted money there, but um, I think this, the size of it was good. The production was good. I also saw a ton of potential in the practice in the sense that the old, the dentist retiring um, was not up with technology. There was no, I mean, he had, he had maybe just a few intraoral cameras, no digital x-rays, barely using a computer system. Um, and I felt like it was an opportunity for me to get right in there and update it right away. And that's exactly what I did. I took out a little extra money, um, went ahead and, um, you know, remodeled the place a little bit. They had ugly blue carpet everywhere. It smelled like formaldehyde um, or- And IRM and eugenol. Yes, exactly. What about, the, so, what, about the, what about the procedure base? What kind of procedures was this practice? Uh, what, what, was it, what was it doing? Uh, that's that's a great question. Um, they were pretty much doing most of the crown and bridge, and there was no endo, um, just restored on crown and bridge. And were you doing non? Were you doing procedures beyond crown and bridge in your associateship? Uh, no, I, I really wasn't. I mean, I might have been doing a little bit of endo, but um, but I I pretty much was was doing what the practice was doing. So. So I felt like it was it was a good fit from that end also. Interesting. The reason I brought that up is I think one of the things that uh, um, there's a couple of points I want to bring up here. One is when people are looking to buy a practice or even merge a practice, for example, uh, one of the things that they do is they look at, hey, is this practice doing things I don't know how to do? Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's one challenge. Okay. 
And then the other perspective of it is this practice doing things that, not doing things that I know how to do, so that there's an opportunity for growth. And what I like about where I want to kind of go with this with you is, is you took a practice that was in your wheelhouse to a certain degree, but now you're taking it and you're adding to it beyond that. And I, I really want to kind of, as we go through our conversation today, I think that's where most of our focus will be, is that you've grown as your practice has grown. Yeah, you bet. I mean, you know, uh, once <laughs> once I bought the practice, I was like, okay, now I got to get serious and actually um, really. It's like once you get kids, um, right? You got to get serious. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I really kind of changed my approach. I, I think, um, you know, from kind of that person who used to sit in the back in dental school, uh, one time I fell asleep, dropped a can of peaches, and it seeped into everybody's bags, um, you know, and it, it was, I was kind of one of those people. And, and I started becoming more of one of those people that's like, you know, I need to go to lectures and uh, sit in the front and, you know, really learn my craft and be good at it. And, um, you know, I kind of I kind of took it from there and um, started doing more procedures. I think technology really interested me. So, like I said, we we got digital x-rays right away. Uh, we put computers in every single op, um, you know, got intro cameras for every op, which I thought was huge. Um, you know, that that's really what started growing my practice. And and um, there was a lot of work to be done there. I mean, I, you know, he, he was he was sick towards the end, uh, couldn't do some of the work. And, um, you know, we were able to immediately take that practice from, you know, 700,000 to to uh, a million, I think, by the end of the first year. Um, and then, you know, next year grew even more and more from there on out. Um, but I think part of my growth was also that I got a CEREC machine um, in 2007. You know, once 2009 came along um, and Emacs came out, I kind of, you know, decided that I want to figure out how to do this thing without um, having to composite cement this. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 so I started doing it with conventional cement, which was kind of taboo at the time. I mean, I, I talked to Samir about it and a few other people, and, you know, a lot of people were we're still kind of feeling like, um, even Ivoclar was feeling like, you know, even though it's indicated for composite cement, um, uh, you know, they didn't they didn't recommend conventional cement. And I've been doing it since, and it works really well in my practice because, um, you know, it's just so much easier to cement with conventional cement. Um, I I don't have failures. I don't have breakages. Um, I don't have crowns come off. Um, sensitivity is pretty pretty much zero. Well, I think uh, you know, a lot so, of that's probably related to prep style, you know, building in retention yeah. form, some resistance form, uh, trying to keep your preps parallel. I, I, certainly that plays a role in that. Yeah, it does. And, you know, the other thing that we did that was a little different is I didn't always seat them on the same day. I kind of felt like I'm tying up a chair um, and in a six operatory practice, those chairs started becoming pretty valuable. And, um, you know, I didn't, I decided I, I didn't want to always see them do same day seats. And I think a lot of people felt like they had to do same day seats. And so, you know, we, we started scheduling people a few days later and they still were pretty happy about it because they didn't have to wait two weeks for a crown. Um, but I was able to free up a chair, just, just kind of go bang, 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 um, between columns and start doing, uh, 
you know, doing more procedures, productive procedures. But you're doing it all in one visit now, aren't you? Yeah, we're doing most of them. We're doing quite a few of them in one visit now. I would say we still have situations where, um, you know, we kind of see how the appointment's going to go. We don't promise um, people unless they ask for it. Some people will come in and they'll be like, you know, I want it done in one visit. And then, of course, we get it done. Um, but uh, and then we schedule accordingly so that I can go do another procedure while it's milling and whatnot, and then come back, and obviously, I just have to pop in, and when it's conventional it's, it's cement, interesting. you just- It's interesting, it's interesting. I, I go, um, I have a total opposite. I like, I almost always promise single visit, and then we're like figuring out how in the world are we gonna make this work sometimes, uh, but- Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and, and but that's the beauty of CEREC, I think, um, or CAD CAM in general. I think a lot of people sometimes feel that it, it's only one way, and, and ultimately, it's a, a machine that gives you flexibility to do it uh, many different ways. Uh, so that's what's fantastic about it. So you built your practice. CEREC was an important part to get to the next step, but you didn't stop yes. there. Uh, I think, um, you know, what was, what was next for you? You know, we started getting capacity blocked. Um, it was like, you know, um, we, we plateaued. Uh, we doubled the practice and then kind of plateaued. Um, and so, you know, I realized that I need to, I need to move. And again, I mean, building a building was not on my radar at all. And uh, let alone again, buying a practice. So I started looking into, okay, what can I do here? Um, and there was a piece of land I always had my eye on. And um, it, it was kind of, it's in the uh, right next to the busiest intersection in the entire county. Um, but it wasn't getting developed because it had some access issues that people were having trouble solving. Um, so I went to the city and I said, look, you know, I'll build a complex here, uh, but I need you to allow me two entrances. And so they wanted the site developed. And I think they finally gave in to something like that. Um, so and how big is we the were city, able to, by the way, that you can go to the city and ask them? Um, it's about, uh, let me think. I think Olympia is roughly close to 50,000 right now. Okay. Uh, but it's inside. a decent sized city, so uh, it's not like small town where you could just go ask somebody. No, yeah, it's not. It's a, it's a decent sized city, and you you have to when you build. You know, I don't know how how it was for you, but actually, I've been out to your practice. Did you guys? I don't know if you guys had built that spot, but when you actually build from scratch, um, I think a lot of times you have you have to get a lot of approvals from the city. Oh yeah, you have um, to and that was ponds, egress, ingress. I mean, it's crazy. Oh, gosh. Uh, number of trees, uh, you know, things like that. Um, it, it was actually quite um, a, a nightmare in certain respects, trying to get things approved through the city. Um, and I'd love to, you know, if anyone's doing that, I'd be happy to help them and, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of lead them and not make the mistakes I made. Um, but, you know, we had to look into, okay, how's this going to work with the city? They luckily were like, Okay, we'll let you do some of these things. We want the we want the site developed, um, and so I purchased the land in 2012 uh, with the intention to build. And it, it was actually kind of interesting. We'd actually bought land to build the home, and um, and I actually had to just financially I had to sell that land uh, to actually buy this land because it made more sense to me to expand the practice than to go build a home. So, um, so we bought 
the land, uh, got the place designed. It took almost a year and a half to to get everything designed. Uh, and I, I actually built a complex that has a separate Jimmy John's drive-through. Uh, it has a Domino's attached to my building. And by doing that, I was able to actually build the practice of my dreams because now I have tenants, tenants that um, share, you know, in the cost of the whole thing. Um, so we built an eight operatory practice. I actually have it expandable to 14 ops. Um, so the upstairs is unfinished and all the offices downstairs are plumbed for operatories. And then if when we expand in that place. I, I didn't want to run out of room is kind of what it was. And so I, I kind of designed it so that I could move everything upstairs um, as far as offices go. That's awesome. We've talked about your building your practice, who you are. So I think the uh, where, I, where I'm jealous and what I want to know more about is, is your Invisalign story. So uh, give us uh, and us the listeners your Invisalign story and specifically what was your history with Invisalign? When did you get certified? And then what, how were you, how was it going? And then when did you suddenly uh, get this to where it was a big deal for you? So I started Invisalign roughly around 2007 also. Um, and you know, those of us who probably started back then would say that Invisalign was kind of the gift that kept on giving um, in the sense it's kind of, it was kind of like dentures where it just felt like, you know, we would, never end cases um they seem to just not go so well so I you didn't... would force your patients into submission yes <laughs> so um i didn't really push it i didn't i didn't uh, you know i felt like we had other stuff that we could do and um, um I, I didn't really get into invisalign until i took uh, dr galler's course um, and he kind of showed me how to streamline uh, designing a case, making it so you you do the case and you're done within a certain amount of aligners, um, and uh, you know just uh, just making it easy. And I, I think that uh, it was a recipe I, I think that, because I took the training on your on your suggestion. Uh, yeah, I, I felt what he gave you was a recipe of of how to do things and what to look for and how to control the clin checks, how to control the attachments. Uh, it was it was very eye opening for me uh, to be quite honest with you. I think our, uh, already our cases are turning out better than they were. I have more confidence in what cases we can and can't do. And I, I think that's what it boils down to. Things stuff for all of us, you know, is uh, when we're confident about something, we're obviously going to do it more. And um, and you know, as I as I started doing, um, get gaining more confidence with how I'm setting up my cases. Um, you know, I was, uh, I would see people and I'd be like, I can treat this and I can treat it predictably. And, and he'll, he'll tell you, I mean, I, I have some pretty crazy cases that I do, I mean, cases that he probably recommends we don't do. Um, right. he, he said, you know, he said, you know, we should kind of stick to easy, simple crowding cases and stuff. And, um, you know, but, but I like doing the difficult cases because then it's, it's very gratifying when you complete those cases um, and a patient uh, is super happy, um, you know, and it's so those cases, yes, they they take a little bit longer. I do charge more for them. Um, but let's talk you know, about I that for a second. I, you say you charge more. Yes. So you don't have a you don't have a necessarily a flat Invisalign fee. 
I mean, I do for the most part, but if I'm going, I, I basically how I look at it is if I'm going about 25 aligners, uh, some people do 20. I, I, I like to go about 25. I think 25 is a good number. Um, but if I go above 25 aligners, I'm going to charge more for that case. If I'm going 25 to like 34 aligners, I have uh, another fee that I'm going to charge. And then if I go beyond uh, you know, 35 and above, then I'm going to charge higher, even more than that. So 35 and above, I, I all those referrals. I, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't disagree. I mean, but, but, you know, again, that's, those are, those cases are fun. Now, the other thing I do with Invisalign that uh, I think also cuts down some of our costs is, uh, I mean, I give people about, I give them seven trays at a time. Um, and I found that that's not a problem. Now, what what made your practice take off with Invisalign? Can, can you give us some perspective from in 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11? You know, what kind of numbers were you doing with Invisalign? Were you doing one case a day, one case a month? I mean, what, what were you kind of doing? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants, but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Gosh, I was probably doing five or six cases a year. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it just wasn't something I was I was pushing. If people came in, it was kind of one of those things where if people came in and they saw me on some kind of list and they wanted to do Invisalign, um, you know, we'd do Invisalign. But I, I did not take the approach that I take now with it, um, and neither did my team. You know, we so just let's talk about we didn't that. really let's- talk about it. Let's talk about that approach. So, so what? So, in other words, you were doing. You had Invisalign on the shelf as a product or service you could offer your patients, and when patients specifically asked for it, you provided it. But you never went out of your way to try to build that portion of your practice. And it sounds like that is different today than it was then. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what is different today. What are you doing today that has led to this uh, significant increase in the number of cases you're doing? Well, I think it, it's that everything is approached from an occlusion standpoint um, 
you know, an Invisalign is just part of our practice now. So, um, you know, if I'm going to do an implant, I'm going to tell a patient, look, you know, I can put your implant in, in the spot, but if I do Invisalign, I'm actually going to put it in the best spot and, you know, your bite's going to be better. And so that's probably going to allow your implant to last you longer. Um, you know, if I'm going to do sleep apnea, I'll, I'll tell them, you, you know, we could do sleep apnea first, but we could do Invisalign, get your teeth in the right position, and then use the apnea appliance um, afterwards and maybe use it almost like a retainer. Um, and, and so I have patients who do that. Uh, there is a new uh, product that I just heard about called the um, apnea, I, I think it's called the ASA, the uh, a line apnea, sleep, yeah. a line, a line or sleep appliance. I apologize. Yeah, a, a um, yeah. Yes, and so you can actually, you know, do Invisalign while with and the person is being treated for sleep apnea at the same time. Um, so you know, I I basically present Invisalign anytime we see someone as a new patient or even even the recalls that we haven't talked to about. Um, we will see if they have crowding, spacing, you know. I think the other thing that was really impactful for me, and I think uh, our listeners want to hear it, is you focus on four key talking points in the hygiene chair or in your conversations about Invisalign, and not necessarily in a cosmetic focus, but more of a health focus with your patients. Can, can you go over that with us? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's key. I, I think a lot of us uh, kind of look at it, Invisalign as a cosmetic thing. And, um, you know, what we kind of uh, limit ourselves to that sometimes also. And in our in the Northwest, I mean, we've we're severely health conscious up here, especially in the city that I live in. Um, and so, you know, the main approach I take is is a health approach. I tell them, Look, there's four, there's four things that Invisalign is going to help you out with. One is you're going to have less chipping and less wear. Um, I think they're different, but for a patient, they don't. Um, I also tell them you're going to have less gum disease um, and you're going to have less decay because it's, it's just going to be easier for you to keep your teeth clean. And then the fourth thing I tell them is you're going to have less sensitivity um, because, you know, bad occlusion a lot of times will cause sensitivity. Um, I use also a hammer and nail analogy where, um, you know, if you're, if you're hammering something down and, and you're hitting the nail and if you're not hitting it perfectly, um, that nail is going to glance to the side and will splinter the wood. And I tell them, you know, this is kind of what's happening with you. And uh, the other one I use is a, a post analogy, a fence post. And I tell them, you know, if you put a fence post in the ground and you, and you shake it, uh, you're going to see the dirt move away from the fence post. And that's kind of what's happening with your gums and your bone. It's, it's starting to move away from, from your teeth because they're getting torqued around. Um, and, you know, then eventually you can pull the fence post out. And I said, you know, we'll, we'll eventually lose that tooth because of it. Um, and, you know, I think those things, uh, they hit home for the patient. And, um, you know, and I tell, I tell them, I say, you know, in the long run, you're going to save money by doing Invisalign. You're going to need less gum grafts. You're going to need uh, less uh, crowns, root canals. Uh, all those are thousands and thousands of dollars. And, you know, and I, I think they can hear it in, in how I present it, that those are things I believe. And, you know, and, and so I think that's key. Awesome. Awesome. What would you say has been the biggest thing to get your team 
on board with uh, understanding and promoting Invisalign in your practice? I think it, it really starts with, with us, you know, and, and the more they heard, heard me talk about it, uh, obviously training is, is a big thing. Uh, I'm going to take my hygienist down to, uh, you know, Dr. Galler's uh, convention this year. I'll be there. Uh, getting, I look forward to that. Yeah, uh, it should be a great meeting. Um, but, you know, getting, getting everyone trained, getting everyone excited uh, about it. And, um, you know, the more they hear about it, the more they hear us talking about it, the more they, they learn about it, uh, you know, and then they see the cases and they see just how things turn out. Uh, a lot of them are, are, have done Invisalign, you know, so that's a key thing. You know, to, I, I think that when you have a, a team member who's gone through the treatment, they can then talk to the patient. Um, I even did propel on one of my, uh, uh, Staff, you know, team members. And, um, you know, so they can tell the patient what to expect. And I think a lot of people don't do certain things because they get scared. You know, they, there's a lot of fear, even with Invisalign. Um, you know, is it going to hurt? Uh, what's, what, you know, how, how, how's this process going to be? And so they can relay that to the patient that, you know, no, it's not, you know, not, it's not nearly as bad as you think it might be. So that's awesome. So let's kind of move into sleep apnea. And uh, so you started your sleep journey, what, two years ago now, I think it was? Yeah, it was, it was like, I think it was November of 2016 we came out and took your guys' course. So it was uh, maybe a year and a half ago. So here's what I hear from other dentists all the time, okay? It's I've okay. tried this, I've, I've seen it, I've gone to my practice. It's the same Invisalign story. I do it every once yeah. in a while. How, how do we make this a big part of my practice? And what I'm getting from people is when I tell them what we're doing, they have this block that I can make it happen. And really what I'm trying to do is bring you on to tell them like, look, here's a regular everyday dentist who's doing it and doing it well. Walk through the keys. What's made it successful for your practice? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here, bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all annex fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one -on -one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course, it's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 
3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. Well, yeah, I mean, again, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I am a regular everyday dentist. I mean, we, we have a, and we're super saturated here. We have uh, one uh, dentist for every 400 people. So, you know, I think in, when, you, when you get into a situation like that, um, you have to diversify. And, that, and you know, it, sleep has always been something of interest to me. I actually took a sleep course uh, at the Chicago Midwinter meeting uh, probably two or maybe, I think it was three years before I took your guys' course. And to be honest with you, I was scared of doing it. Um, that, that course, it was like, well, here's how great doing sleep apnea is, but if you do it, you're going to get sued, you know? And, um, and so I, I felt like I had some knowledge about it, but I was scared to do it. And I, I think what I love about the way both you and Dr. Elliot, um, you know, run your course, um, you know, I, I got great education uh, from both ends, uh, you know, first day kind of the didactic part, getting the confidence of, okay, this is how you treat it. And then you coming in and saying, you know, this is how you implement it in your practice. Um, you know, those, those two things, you know, made me feel like, okay, I, I can do this now. I can do kind of what I did with Invisalign and, you know, make it part of my practice. And so, you know, that's, that's basically what we've done. I mean, you know, in, in a year and a half, I mean, we really didn't, I would say it took us a couple months just because the holidays come and everything oh, and you time. kind of put things, yeah, yeah it, you know, you put things, uh, you know, in, on the back burner. But, you know, I talked to Shelly, who's our sleep champion, and, and that's, that's super important. You know, I, I took her out to your guys' course. I think that's important. Um, and she came back fired up and she's done a fantastic job. Uh, and, and we have a sleep team then. So she kind of leads, I have a hygienist and I have a front desk and that's what I do with Invisalign too. Is I, I have, um, I have an assistant, a hygienist and one front desk person for every team so that we, each part of our practice is in tune with both of those things. And so, you know, she came back, uh, just started rolling with it. Um, you know, we, our hygienist who's on our team, uh, Whitney, she figured out how to uh, use the Galileos and, you know, map the airway. Uh, we started doing that with patients and, you know, we're up to 15 appliances with 30 in the, 30 in the works. Um, and we present it to, to everybody. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, again, I owe that to you guys. And oh, thank I, I mean, you. it's, it, 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 it was, uh, so it's just like that mindset's different. Uh, hats off to you, Sunit, on that. So, uh, let's move on to some, uh, ask T-bone section here. So what, what are you, is there anything that you want to, uh, talk to me about? One of the things we have done in our practice that, um, uh, and I probably other people have questions about this is really when do you know to bring on an associate? Associates. I don't pretend to be a expert when it comes to associates. I'm an expert by in the sense that I've made mistakes uh, and lots of them. Uh, so your your story is very similar to mine. And I think part of the challenge is you're not clearly defining what you want out of an associate. 
And what you're trying to do to a certain degree is you're starting to uh, build your practice around finding the right associate instead of finding the right associate that fits your practice. And so the first thing you got to do is you got to outline what you need. Now, I will disagree vehemently with something that you said. And that is, uh, we're right now, and I, I don't think we're unique. I, I really don't think we're unique in this. Uh, we're running myself, uh, Dr. Leedy, and we just added a third dentist two days a week with two hygienists. So we're able to keep three, uh, two and a half doctors busy uh, with just two hygiene with two hygiene chairs, and I would mm, I would okay. I would argue that you can do the same as well. Uh, so don't don't get into the traditional mindset that it's one dentist, two hygienists, and you can only bring an associate in when you're ready to uh, add more hygiene necessarily. Uh, so so make sure that you don't fall into that trap. Uh, the other thing that I would mention to you is one of the keys to getting my associate busy was me giving up things. And uh, you hear me talk a lot about giving up fillings. And uh, I think uh, that should be a goal for you. It's, it's not to completely give them up, but to say, you know what? Um, the concept is this, is every time you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to another thing. And in your, in your little uh, talk there, you said, well, now my schedule's booked. So if I walked into your practice today with a broken tooth and I needed a dental implant, what, when could I get that? Okay. Fair enough. Just got to outline what, what it looks like ideally to fit in your practice. Uh, if it's two days yeah. a week, if it's three days a week, it's always a little bit more than you think you can do because you're always going to be conservative. Um, like I just hired Dr. Knowlton for two days a week and I'm pretty sure it's not enough. Uh, I should go ahead and move him to three days a week, even though we, in my mind, we can't support him for three days a week, but I've got to stay ahead. And look, we find a way to fill and be successful when we know we have to. And so there's a level of complacency in doing this. And besides, you can't keep up this pace of work. I mean, you can't do this forever. Yeah. You're not, you're not 30 years old anymore. Yeah, I think you're right. And you can't. My, my wife told me that from day one that you cannot hire somebody that you think is going to be like you. And she was 100% right. Uh, because yeah. you don't need someone like you, Sneeth. You are, you are alpha dog, right? You are the person that's the visionary and leading your practice. You don't need anybody coming in the way of that. You need to free yourself yeah. and focus on that. And what you need to do is bring in somebody like yourself 13, 14 years ago, like when you were an associate at Bright now, and bring somebody in that was the restorative dentist to take that off your plate yeah. and, and then allow yeah. you to fo focus and flourish in other areas. But the, but the hard part is defining what you want, defining with your team the expectations of this person and being, being having adult conversations with your associate or potential associate about what your, what your practice is and is not. And I get a lot of flack all the time about how frank I am about this with, uh, with potential associates. But uh, uh, when I got clear is when things started really clicking in our practice. And it's, it's been amazing. Uh, it's been absolutely amazing what, what we've seen happen in the last uh, couple of three years uh, in our practice. So I would tell you that it's super important. So last thing. So what, what is the one piece of advice that you would give to our listeners uh, about growing their practice? My suggestion is do things 
that make you happy, whether it's in dental, in dentistry, outside of the practice. I mean, life is too short. Like I said, the guy I brought the practice from, he was, he was 60 years old and unfortunately, you know, passed away from prostate cancer. Um, and that kind of opened my eyes that, look, you know, I want to, I want to enjoy what I do. Um, I, I don't do, uh, as many things I think as, as some dentists do in the sense that I delegate a ton to my crew. Um, I have an AFTA, she does all my composites. Um, I prep and I leave when I do crown preps, uh, which I really enjoy doing. Um, and, uh, you know, my crew handles everything else. They take the image, they, they you know, make the temporary, they, they design the crowns, they design the implant crowns. And I, and it's job satisfaction for them. It's job satisfaction for me. I, I think it makes us a lot more productive. Um, you know, and, and we have a lot of fun outside the practice. I mean, we do Spartan races together. We go for runs at lunch. Um, you know, and I, I think it's just finding finding that happiness, you know, and I think that's what's going to, in the long run, you know, grow your practice is, is, is do things that make you happy. You know, so that's um, awesome. You know, that fits right into uh, a great segue into an outro for this. Um, one of the things that I'm trying to build right now is an online Facebook community called Dental You. And I'm trying to get mm -hmm. dentists to start building their practice around you, uh, yourself. And people say it's self-centered. People say it's selfish. I say BS to all of that. I say I, I yeah. firmly believe this. When I started being happy about the direction of where the practice was going, about the type of dentistry and the quality of dentistry I was doing that made me happy, suddenly people around me got happy. And I surrounded myself with yeah. people who had the same vision. And while we don't run Spartan races in our office, uh, but we do <laughs> hang out, we, we do consider each other friends. And that is the ultimate key to success uh, in life. At the end of the day, it's not just practice, it's life. And uh, Sunit, I want to give you unbelievable props. You know, the best decision you made was not going to endo school. I don't know if you realize that or not, but um, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to invite all our viewers and listeners to join the Dental U, Y-O-U, because it is all about you. You're the one that invested millions of dollars in your practice or in time or in education. So everything you do should be based around making yourself happy. And along the way, when you make yourself happy, you'll do other things. Like for example, one of the things that's super important to me right now is to develop and build a free dental clinic. So I know that if, unless I build a great practice and be successful there, I won't be able to do that uh, for my community. Uh, so uh, to, to learn more about the community, go on Facebook and just type in search for Dental U, Y-O-U, or you can visit tbonespeaks.com slash community uh, and it's free. You can join. So Sunit, thank you so much. And uh, we will catch up with you quite soon. And I'll see you in July uh, for certain. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal. Remember to keep striving for excellence and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, podcast family, T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. 
This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.